Have your Bibles turn to Mark chapter 10. Today we're looking at the story of a young man who seemed to have everything that he needed. Uh, He was a good man. Uh, He was apparently a pretty moral man. He was a church-going, God-fearing kind of man. Uh, He was a young man, but he was uh, already on the uh, Palestinian Forbes 500 list. He had possessions and money, and uh, in, in all respects, this young man was a success. And if you were to look at this young man, you would think, he's got it all together. There's not anything that he would need. And yet, as we encounter this young man, we see in him a search and a quest that every human heart has. As we encounter this young man and see the interaction between him and Jesus, we understand where he's coming from. He is looking for life. He's looking for life, and he he describes it as eternal life. He he comes to Jesus, and he kneels before him and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, in eternal life, in Bible terms, is is, uh, uh, life with all the pizzazz and no missing pieces. It, It is life that is satisfying, and it includes a love that will nourish the soul. See, this young man, as as much as he had, he was still searching for a life that satisfies and a love that would nourish his soul. In the same way, today, even as followers of Christ, we continue to look for that life that satisfies, and love that will nourish the soul. And we'll talk about that in a second, but it is a search that every human heart has. And so, as we look at this encounter, we're looking at a young man who had seemingly everything, but as Jesus begins to teach him, and as we look at the red-letter conversation that Jesus has with him, we learn a little bit more about ourselves, about our priorities and what's important, and even about our possessions. But ultimately, what Jesus is doing is Jesus is teaching the young man, and he's teaching us today, a better way to live. And we need that better way way to live so that we can have a life that satisfies and love that continually nourishes our soul. So let's look at this encounter, beginning in verse 17, and uh, just read along with me as, as we look here. Um, the Scripture says, Now as, it was, as Jesus was going out on the road, uh, one came running and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not uh, murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And the young man answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. All right, so here's a young man uh, who uh, has been keeping all the rules. He's been doing all the stuff that he's supposed to do, and yet he is still searching for eternal life. He's still searching for the certainty of a life that will satisfy and a love that will nourish his soul. 
So what do we learn first as Jesus encounters him? Well, we learn first that good works won't give us a life that will satisfy and a love that will nourish our soul. Now, we need to understand this. I'm, I'm big on doing good stuff. I'm, I'm huge on that. I, I mean, I'm a fan of that. I teach my children to do that. I want my children to listen to the Ten Commandments and to follow them. I, I want my children to honor their father and their mother. I want that. I want them to obey those Ten Commandments. But here's what I know about the Ten Commandments. Here's what I know about the rules that we have established as a church. They cannot satisfy your life and they cannot nourish your soul with love. It won't happen. Rules, even the best of rules, as essential, listen, as essential as the Ten Commandments are, they will not give us a life that satisfies and a love that will nourish our soul. Here's part of the challenge for us as followers of Christ today, as, as, uh, as people who gather here regularly, as followers of Christ, what we begin to do is we begin to equate following the rules or doing good works with a satisfying life. And that's why so many burn out of this church thing. And we're following after the wrong thing. To follow after good works will only lead to frustration and despair. So, here's what we learned from the young man. He said, hey, Jesus, I've kept all these rules. Now, the truth is, he probably hadn't, you know? I, I, I mean, he, he might have done some good stuff and might have, have, have been overall a good uh, uh, keeper of the law, but he had, he had not perfectly kept the law. Uh, what you might not know about me is that as troublesome as I might have been to some, I always knew where the line was drawn. And I would walk straight up to the edge of that line, and I would tow that line, but I would not step over that line. Much like what I'm doing right now as I preach. Y'all have watched me for years. I get up to the very edge and half my foot's over the edge of the platform and the other half is back here. But only on a couple of, t- uh, of occasions uh, of the hundreds of times I've preached, only on a couple of occasions have I almost fell off. Right. No, I, I tow the line. I, I'll even flirt with the edge of it, but I'm going to stay on this side. I was a keeper of the rules. I was a keeper of the law. And I did it very, very well, especially in a Baptist church, understanding the rules of the Baptist church, understanding the rules of of, uh, being a good church person. I kept the rules perfectly. But here's what I know about those rules. They could never satisfy my life. And they could never nourish my soul with love. They're incapable of doing that. Here we are today, and we're looking for a life that satisfies and a love that will nourish our soul. And we prioritize being a good person or getting better at being better, and we think that's going to do it, and I'm here to say it will not. And Jesus will show us why. So as we look for a life that satisfies and a a love that nourishes our soul, we need to understand that good works won't get it done. The second thing we begin to see is that money can become a barrier to it. 
Not only will good works not get us a life that satisfies or love that nourishes our soul, but money can become actually a barrier to a satisfying life and love that nourishes our soul. Now, the second part, we understand because the Beatles taught us that. You know, you can't buy me love, right? So we know that money can't get us the love that we look for, right? That went over way better at the 8 o'clock service, so... Well, we understand that money, money cannot give us a love that will nourish our soul. Even as much as, as, much as we uh, uh, try to cuddle up with money, it's not going to love us the way we need to be loved. All right, so, so we understand that, but, but the, the young man had a lot of stuff. And his stuff became a barrier to a satisfying life. Same thing can be true for you and for me. Let's read on. Uh, this encounter between Jesus and this young man. Beginning in verse uh, 21, Jesus uh, looked at the young man and loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. And the young man, man was sad at the word from Jesus. And he went away filled with sorrow, for he had great possessions. So Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard it is for those, underline this, who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus and this rich man, this rich young man, uh, in that encounter, we begin to learn that for him, for that young man, his possessions were the very barrier between him and a life that would satisfy. Remember, his question was, Master or good teacher, what do I need to inherit eternal life? What do I need to have a life that will satisfy? And Jesus said, you need to get rid of your stuff. And the young man walked away filled with sorrow because he had a lot of stuff. So Jesus used that opportunity to teach his followers. And he said, hey, listen, it's hard. When you have a lot of stuff, it's hard to enter the kingdom of God. The picture of the kingdom of God is an eternal life filled with satisfaction. That's the kingdom of God. That's heaven. Having heaven. The only way we can taste heaven is to enter into the kingdom of God. And, and so Jesus was saying, hey, listen, it's tough when you have a lot of stuff to taste heaven, to taste a life that satisfies and a love that will nourish your soul. When you have a lot of stuff, it gets in the way. It becomes a barrier between you and this satisfying life. Now, that's counterintuitive to us because we have bought into the idea that if we have more stuff, then we must be more satisfied. And yet, here's the way it ends up. We get our brand new toy Christmas morning, the toy that we've always wanted, the toy that we've hoped for. We get our brand new toy, and when we begin to open the package, we see no batteries included. And so we have the possession, but it doesn't have any juice to satisfy us. 
And Jesus said the, that, that it's, it's easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a person with a lot of stuff to enter the kingdom of God. What was he talking about? He said, well, here's the problem for us. We become so focused on our stuff. And we begin to trust in our stuff that we think that our stuff is the key to our life. And it's a lot easier to trust in our stuff to make us happy or to give us joy or to satisfy us than it is to trust even in Jesus himself. That's why it's hard. How many people do you know, honestly, who pursue a dollar more than they pursue Jesus? Wait a second. How many of us in the room today are pursuing a dollar more than we're pursuing Jesus? Let that one sink in a little bit. We pursue the dollar with all of our passion. and We give all of our energy or the majority of our time and our focus on pursuing the dollar. And Jesus is left on the sideline somewhere and we wonder why it is that we are dissatisfied. Money has become a barrier to a life that satisfies and a love that will nourish our soul. Great life lessons for us as Jesus teaches us today about who we are and about what we're trusting in. Good works aren't going to get it done and money can become a barrier. So what's the answer for us? Well, let's read on. The disciples were dismayed. You look in in verse uh, 26, he says, Uh, the disciples were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, well, who then can be rescued? And Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. God offers what we need. You see, we can't get over our barriers and our desire to get better so that we can be satisfied. That is something that is uh, an epidemic among us. But with God, it's not impossible. When Jesus is saying with with men it's impossible, but not with God, he's pointing us to this wonderful truth that God can overcome every barrier, even the barriers in your heart and in mine. No doubt, no doubt, Jesus is referring to the grace of God that he himself represented and was bringing to bear upon the uh, the hearts of those whom God was calling. And no doubt that that Jesus was pointing to this wondrous grace, uh, a grace that when we take hold of it, it awakens us to life that will satisfy, and a love that will nourish our soul. It is this grace 
in the person of Jesus Christ, where God became flesh and dwelt among us, this wondrous grace that becomes the gift of a rescuing love. As Jesus made his journey to a cross to die in our place for our sin, was buried, was raised again from the dead to give us new life. Here, here is our hope for a life that satisfies And a love that will nourish our soul. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our connection. The only way, the only way that we can connect with life that is satisfying every single day. The only way that we can connect with a love that will nourish our soul every single day. Is when we follow after Jesus. See, here's part of our challenge. Now, let, let me just say that following Jesus begins for us, this side of the cross and the empty tomb, uh, it begins for us when we see who Jesus is, God's Son. We see what Jesus did. He died for me, a sinner. We see why he did that, because I have sinned and I've se- I'm separated from God, and I'm desperate for a friendship with God. And only Jesus can make a bridge between me and God. We see who Jesus is. We see what he has done. We see why he has done it. And then we respond in faith. And we say yes to Jesus. And the wonderful gift of a forgiving life that only he offers. And that's the beginning of the journey. But that's not the end of the journey. Every single day as followers of Christ, you and I are faced with this challenge. Will I follow Jesus today? Will I chase after Jesus as my highest priority today? Do I see that only Jesus can satisfy me? Only Jesus today In all of my relationships, only Jesus can give me a life that satisfies. Only Jesus can give me a love that will nourish my soul. Remember what Jesus said to the young man who said, how can I have this kind of life? Jesus said, here's what you need to do. One thing you... Oh, by the way, verse 21. Look at verse 21. The scripture says that Jesus looked at the man and what did he do? What did he do? He loved him. This love is the the big love. it's It's not a, oh, you're a nice person. Ray, you're a nice person. I really like you. It's not that kind of love. It is a love that says, Ray, I would die for you. That's a different love. See, Jesus looked at the young man, and he loved him. He loved him. He wanted to help him. He wanted wanted this young man to follow him. Jesus looked at the young man and loved him with this generous, self-giving, sacrificial love. So in that love, he said, here's one thing you lack. He said, you need to sell all your stuff, give it to the poor so that you can have treasure in heaven. And then get up and come follow me. God offers us what we need. His name is Jesus. But for us to taste the life that satisfies and a love that nourishes our soul every single day, we have to follow him.
as our greatest passion and priority. Are you following Jesus? Oh, I'm not talking about giving a nod and a wink at a Bible devotion every, Sunday, every morning. I, I, I'm not talking about just, just having this little, this little uh, uh, ritual that we go through on a, on a daily basis of, 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 of acting like we're... I mean, do you follow after Jesus? Do you chase after Him? We must follow after Jesus. And in order to follow after Jesus, we have to do what Jesus says. And we have to demolish our idols. Here's the problem. We have idols. Things in our heart and in our life that we love more than Jesus. I, I know that you and I uh, carry around a load of different things. And, and, and some of these things... They're good things. They're not bad things. But each one of these things can become an idol in our life. Like uh, dark chocolate dreams, peanut butter. Do you love your peanut butter more than you love Jesus? Oh, that's funny. But for some... It's a real issue. You would rather chase after your food than chase after... I'm going to save that one for last. Well, this one. This is a Greek to English lexicon of the New Testament, and it's a big book with a bunch of fancy words, Greek and stuff like that. And the only reason I brought that is because it's a picture of knowledge. You know, we think if we can amass knowledge, then we'll have a life that satisfies. And knowledge itself becomes an idol. I have several of these books in my study, and I've, I consult them pretty much every single day. But I can tell you that words on this page can never satisfy my life or give me a love that will nourish my soul. But our pursuit of knowledge can get in the way of us pursuing Jesus. It can become an idol. The reason I know that is because I went to seminary with people who got PhDs alongside me, and they didn't give any more rip about Jesus than someone who didn't know him at all. All they wanted was the diploma on the wall and the A in the GPA. Sometimes knowledge can become our idol. And uh, uh, this is what my girls would say. This, in that a neat little notebook, it is an iPad. Now, they would probably say that I have a too great of an affection for electronics. Um, and, and not just with the iPad, but with the cell phone and, and, and watching me and, and seeing me, you know, working on my phone and doing all that stuff. And, and so they would say, you know, maybe, maybe the electronics, the social media, that kind of stuff. Maybe, maybe that becomes an idol. The hardest one for me to wrap my head around, pictures of my girls and me. Isn't that great? Isn't it awesome to have beautiful daughters, a wonderful family? Isn't that awesome? 
Here's the problem. When I love them more than I love Jesus, I'm short-selling them and I'm being disobedient to Christ. Now, that's tough for me. Got to tell you, that's tough. Uh, Look, verse 29. Jesus gives us a list of things that if we would demolish these idols, then we would be able to taste a greater reward. Look, verse 29. Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, there's no one who has... Now, here's the list. They've left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels. So, demolishing idols includes... Um, our, our houses and our brothers and our fathers and our mothers and our sisters and our lands and our possessions. It, it's leaving everything to follow him. Today, maybe Jesus is just saying to you, here's the one thing you lack. This is the one thing that you're not letting go of. As followers of Christ, there there may be that one relationship. You're chasing that relationship even at the expense of your relationship with Christ. It may be possessions. It may be toys or gadgets or games. But what is that one thing? Today, the Spirit of God will pinpoint that and, and call us to demolish those idols. And every day, to demolish those idols. Because when we demolish those idols, when we put things back in their proper order, where Jesus following him is our greatest priority, and our other relationships are submitted to his lordship, when that begins to happen in our life every day, then we become the better husbands and the better wives and the better fathers and the better sons and the better daughters and the better mothers. Our relationships take on a a more satisfying and nourishing place in our life because they flow from the Lordship of Christ into our hearts. See, the first thing we've got to do, if we're going to be satisfied in our relationships, if we're going to taste the life that satisfies and the love that nourishes our soul, if we're going to taste it in its fullest measure, then we need to first and foremost understand, I've got to follow Jesus no matter what. Verse 30 tells us that when we take this this idol and we demolish it, then God will return to us on this earth a hundredfold of the things that that we've demolished and in the age to come. What that simply means is, Today, if you commit yourself to follow Jesus, to leave everything else in the dust, to put following Jesus as your highest priority, chasing Him more than you chase anything else, then He'll take the anything else and He will give it a satisfaction that you never knew before. So really today, the choice is yours and mine. If you look in verse 28, here's what the disciples said. Peter said, he said, oh, look, Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. And as imperfect and as muddled 
And as confused as the disciples were, Peter was exactly right. They were true followers. They had left everything to follow Jesus. And they were doing it every single day. Today, we have a choice to be like the disciples there. Look, Jesus, today I give myself to follow you. Look, Jesus, right now I leave everything to follow you. Here, Jesus, I give you all that I am. I chase after you more than I chase after anything else. I'm following you. That may be your choice today. Or, you can be like the rich young ruler. And you can choose to walk away from Jesus filled with sorrow. Because you're not willing to give up your idol. The choice is ours today. The choice is ours right now.